proud that I was able to show up to record this book and really put my heart and my soul into it. Reading my own memoir brought back a lot of those scenes as if they were happening right in the moment. I'm recording in a studio where a number of hip-hop artists who I'm familiar with have recorded, so I feel special in that way. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet best-selling author and host of the Visionary Souls podcast, Sydney Campos, astronomer and astrobiologist Aomoa Shields, Ph.D., and physician Anupam B. Jenna. Tune in to hear about the power of writing for your younger self, the magic of vocal cord lubricating tea, and what it feels like to become deeply immersed in the audiobook recording process. Enjoy. Hi, this is Sydney Campos, author of I'm Ascending, Now What? I wrote my book because it was really what I wish existed when I was born, so I could learn all about embodiment, trauma healing, nervous system recalibration, turning on your intuition, living your purpose, and being authentic. I hope that this book inspires and supports many people in living the lives that they're truly here to live. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word— That word would be shamanic. I realized I had trouble pronouncing the word disassociating and dissociating, which I use a lot of times throughout the book. And there were a few times where I mentioned dissociating and I stumbled (laughs) a bit there. So I'm so used to saying, probably over saying disassociating. I'm proud that I was able to show up to record this book and really put my heart and my soul into it so that People who are listening can feel all of the different experiences and memories and lessons and just the life that went into these words. I'm really proud of living the life that allows me to tell this story. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Harry Styles. <laughs> Because I love his voice, and I love his music, and his talent, and his energy, and I think he's the only person I would qualify to narrate this book. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Carolyn Elliott's Existential Kink. I actually don't normally listen to audiobooks. I prefer to really read, and I like to digest information that way. And I got Existential Kink in text at first, and I thought, wow, actually, this would probably be really special to hear in audiobook. And it was. It was great. And I was able to kind of do her book as more of like an audio program, which is really, I think, how it's designed. I love listening to audiobooks when I'm driving on a long road trip. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Awakening is not at all a linear path. Is there such a thing as a linear spiritual path anyway? Somehow it seems we're taught to go step by step in a straight line as we grow into new jobs, relationships, or other roles. But looking back, doesn't it mostly seem that we zig and zag and spiral around more than we ever go in a straight line? 
I much more resonate with the image of an upward spiral for envisioning our evolution. We are always growing and evolving, that's for sure. But the route isn't direct, and it's unique for each and every one of us. Hi, this is Aomawa Shields, author of Life on Other Planets, a memoir of finding my place in the universe. I wrote my book because I've known for a while now that my story is fairly atypical, having these different sides of myself that I felt completely devoted to, astronomy and acting, and for so long not being able to make sense of how to put them together. And I knew, after a lot of interactions with people over email and directly, that that I wasn't alone in feeling as if I had these two disparate parts of me that I was trying to put together and had struggled so long to figure out how to do that. So I thought it would be really important to write my story so that other people could, first of all, find out that they weren't alone if they had believed they were, and see an example of someone who had found a way to accept all those different random parts of me and find fulfillment, that they could realize that there is no one way to do something. And it didn't have to be whether it was science or arts. It might be some other two things or three things or five things, but that there wasn't any kind of box they had to fit themselves into. I wanted them to feel less alone, people that might have had a desire to do something for years and had put it on the back burner for maybe even decades. I wanted them to know that it was never too late as someone who went back to school fairly late in life compared to most, and for people who were just starting off in life and feeling like, you know, what do I choose? What do I do? That there was something for them too. And also for people of color who find themselves in predominantly white spaces, for women who are struggling with balancing work and home and motherhood if they're mothers, that they too could feel not so alone, but rather connected and hopeful. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, it would be intense. You know, reading my own memoir, it brought back a lot of those scenes, a lot of those situations, as if they were happening right in the moment. Like, for example, I felt like I was right in my living room as a child, sitting at the foot of my grandmother in her rocking chair, and, you know, suddenly she was alive again. It was no longer many years in my rear view. It was right there. And that is why, you know, that word intense comes to mind. At the same time, that intense word folds in all of the positive. I felt like my whole body was engaged in the reading. It wasn't just my mouth was everything. You know, I was using my hands. I tried to stay connected to my diaphragm the whole time because that's where the power was. And so, like, I was exhausted at the end of each day. I would go home and crash. I was putting everything into every moment of this reading as if it was living thought, like they call Shakespeare so intense. I realized I had trouble pronouncing the word chasm C-H-A-S-M. I didn't even realize until I saw it on the page that my natural inclination was to call it chasm. And it was really surprising to see how many times I'd use that word. I think it's like seven or eight times in the book. 
my favorite parts to record really were the parts about having my daughter, going back in time to the point when we were talking about, my husband and I talking about the decision to have kids, and then going all the way through to like the actual situations of interacting with my daughter and how I changed as a result of becoming a mother. Those were really fun to record. And I think it's because the personal is always the most fun for me to record. Those points in the story, when you get to have that window open on really who I am, behind it all, behind the TED stuff, behind the actor stuff, just bearing my heart and my soul is when uh, I think the real emotion comes out at times and when the real truth is there. I prepared for the audiobook recording by doing a vocal warm-up every morning because, you know, I've got that classical acting training in my bones now. I know anytime I am speaking in any sort of big way, and this was a very big deal to me, that I've got to warm up my voice for the occasion. So I did between a 10 and 20-minute warm-up. I also listened to some audiobook excerpts so I could get a feel for what kind of tone I wanted to convey as I read. I knew there were going to be parts of the book that were more informational and they might be read a certain way. And there were parts of the book where I could really just kind of almost whisper to the listener so that they would feel like somebody was like right beside them or right in the room with them. And then I also, you know, I had my tea every morning, some throat coat tea, and I had a couple of cups of that. And I tried to just to take care of myself. My dream narrator, if I wasn't going to record it, this is where I have to be honest and say there is no other dream narrator. I certainly love the voices of Maya Angelou and Alfred Woodard and Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet, but none of them would be appropriate for recording my memoir. It's my story. So I think anyone else reading it would be incomplete at best and inappropriate at worst. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. That book gave me kind of a blueprint for bringing creativity back into my life. And really, the blueprint was there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. There's just doing it in any way that you can. And I felt very expansive and free after listening to that book. And now, please listen to a clip from my audiobook. It's hard to think back to how it all began. Looking around at my skin, the weather, the piles of papers on my desk, the shelves of books about astronomy and planetary climate. It seems like it was always there, but it wasn't. In one of the textbooks that I use to teach the course Life in the Universe, an analogy is given. There are as many stars in the observable universe as there are dry grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. Hi, this is Anupam B. Jenna. I go by Bapu. I am the author of Random Acts of Medicine, The Hidden Forces That Sway Doctors, Impact Patients, and Shape Our Health. 
I was inspired by the role that chance plays in our health. This is a book about two things. One, it's about how unexpected chance or random circumstances affect our health. And the second thing the book is about is what those experiences can teach us about why healthcare sometimes doesn't work and how to make it better. I really enjoyed recording the audiobook. It is a little bit awkward reading my words, but I'll just tell you the most interesting thing about this experience is where I am recording. I am recording in a studio where apparently a number of hip-hop artists who I'm familiar with have recorded, so I feel special in that way. You know, I have a podcast. It's called Freakonomics MD, and in that podcast, I often get coached on how to say certain words, and there's a couple of those words that show up in this particular book. So, for example, particular is a word that I used to say incorrectly. I wouldn't emphasize the U. Population is a word that I would always say incorrectly, but I've gotten it right for the book. you got to emphasize the U. There's a number of words. Probably the most important word that I should know really well is statistical. It's very difficult to say that word for whatever reason, and it comes up a lot in the book. I'm excited for listeners to hear actually all of the book, but there's a part of the book that I'm particularly fond of, and that is the part about what happens to patients who are hospitalized during the dates of national cardiology conferences. And I won't spill the beans because I don't know if you're listening to this, if you've read the book yet, but it's a really interesting chapter. And all of the studies that we describe in the book, that is sort of the origin study. It was the first time that I started doing this sort of work, which was kind of at the intersection between like Freakonomics meets medicine. And that's probably the prototype study of mine. The part that I actually hope people listen to the most is actually the acknowledgments. As I alluded to when I read my own acknowledgments, when I pick up books at the bookstore, I always look at that first because I'm just so curious to hear the story behind the book and who are the people involved in the writer's life. And it gives you a little bit of a window into that person that would be otherwise difficult to get if you just read the pages of the book itself. I prepared for the audiobook recording by basically following some instructions. I was instructed not to use my voice the day before or after the first day of recording. I was instructed to drink a lot of water. I did both of those things. And Alex, who is the audio engineer, made something for me called Throat Coat. It is a tea that really does the trick. It opens up your vocal cords. So I highly recommend it. I'm not being paid by Throat Coat or Bigelow or whoever the tea manufacturer is, but it really works. If I had to record this book again, I would probably bring in an IV pole and intravenous throat coat. Like I said, it does the trick. But I've got water, I've got some tea, everything is good in here. If I wasn't going to record my own audiobook, I would cast Morgan Friedman. He's, he's got a good voice. The place I listen to audiobooks is in the car, and the types of audiobooks that I listen to are the ones that my kids ask me to listen to. And so I actually actively try not to remember anything about those books. The narration is really terrific, but you know, these are kids' books, and so I'm just kind of daydreaming while they're listening to them and, and trying to focus on the road. But I do listen to them in the car. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Chance occurrences change the course of our lives all the time. Imagine the couple who meets in an airport when a blizzard cancels their flights. Or 
Think of the entrepreneurs who happen to sit next to each other at jury duty and who hatch a business plan to start a company in the six hours it takes to be dismissed. Imagine the woman who misses the bus because a meeting ran late and who, on her walk home, happens to pass an animal shelter and adopts her new best friend. These are unpredictable moments, chance waltzing into our lives when we least expect it. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com/nextlisten.